The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. Today's going to be a mailbag episode, and my plan is to do one of these uh, last Wednesday of every month for the rest of the season. So uh, you guys gave me, uh, honestly, more questions than I could handle, but that's that's great. Uh, I might not get to every single one that was submitted, especially if it didn't have sort of a, a prospect uh, angle to it, but um really appreciate all of the responses and questions that you guys sent in. And there was, there was a lot of overlap, so uh, I might not mention you by name, but uh, you know, a lot of people asked about some similar prospects. So I should be able to get to most of the people that you guys asked about. Uh, I'm also going to try something new. I'm going to release basically a transcript of this for, for lack of a better word as an article and so if you're a subscriber to the site, uh, you can go in and check that out and you can kind of get the, the spellings on the names of some of these guys, um, see how, how, how many of them are rostered or, or available in your leagues and stuff like that, and just kind of use that as a, as a reference. If you don't have a subscription, you can go to rotowire.com slash try for a free trial uh, without giving us a credit card. So uh, I think this is going to be a pretty long one. Um, my document is is 13 pages long here so um feel free to listen on like 1.1 or 1.2 speed uh but let's just uh kick things off with the first question from uh adam balen uh he wants to know luis matos or marco luciano compare their ceilings and floors uh they're ceilings and floors is kind of why I've, I've been on Matos over Luciano for a while. I think of Matos's ceiling as, as kind of a, uh, Bo Bichette in the outfield type of player, a true five category guy. Uh, the hit tool is really what's been attractive to me about Matos sort of the way it was as with Bichette when he was in the lower levels of the minors and then obviously he's he's shown some speed. I think there's developing power there. Uh, if if things didn't work out quite like that, maybe he's a Manny Margot type of guy. Um, Marco Luciano, on the other hand, I think you're talking about either a three category guy or a four category guy. Uh, if he's a if he hits a ceiling, maybe he could be Eloy Jimenez at shortstop. Uh, his floor or kind of like a 
an outcome that people might not be that satisfied with would be sort of a, a Paul DeYoung type of career. Uh, but he's going to hit for power. He's going to play shortstop. Uh, but the rest of it's kind of TBD. He's just not going to help you in stolen bases. So that's where Matos has the edge over Luciano. Uh, Dan uh, also had a, a Luciano question. He wants to know if I'm reading much into his early success. Um, yeah, I mean, it, this is kind of a a best case start to the season for Luciano back at high A. Uh, it's a level that he obviously struggled uh, at significantly last season, but he's he's a streaky hitter. Uh, he's definitely trending back up, trending back towards, say, the top 20 if he's not already there. But uh, let's let's see where he's at in you know, a month, six weeks, eight weeks from now. Um, I'm not you know, fully back in on him being like a top 10 guy yet or anything like that for, for the reasons I kind of alluded to. Uh, Benny Dykstra wants to know, when is Tristan Casas getting the call? And is he a top 20 first baseman when he gets it? I had a lot of questions about Tristan Casas. I think he's probably the most uh, asked about prospect out there right now because he's a top 10-ish prospect and he's at AAA and he's producing. So you have dynasty people asking about him, uh, redraft people asking about him. Uh, you know, Bobby Dahlbeck kind of looms large here. He's off to a really rough start, and he obviously is a is a poor defender. So if that continues, I mean, I think this this organization has much more faith in Casas long term than Dahlbeck, and they have designs on winning this year. So if, if Dahlbeck keeps struggling, maybe we see Casas in a couple weeks. My initial guess was that he would be up in late June or early July. So um that would be quite a sped up debut, but you know, he's doing exactly what you'd want him to do at AAA right now. Uh, Casas that is. So it wouldn't be that surprising to me if, if we got a, a call up from Casas here um, before the end of May, especially if Dahlbeck keeps struggling. So I think it is, it is stashing season with Casas, uh, especially in OBP leagues. Uh, and then um, in terms of his upside, once he's up, you know, I think he could reasonably perform kind of like Brandon Belt. Um, he could also show significant growing pains. There's better prospects than Tristan Casas who have shown those growing pains this year. So uh, you shouldn't assume that, you know, once Casas is up, he's just going to be awesome for you. But there is, he does have some similarities to, uh, I remember the, the year that Jordan Alvarez came up. Uh, I had him on my Tout Wars draft and hold bench, and that was just like a shot of adrenaline to the roster, plugging him in, and, and it was just a fun ride. I could see the same thing happening this year with Casas. I've got him in uh, Tout Wars. I've got him in Ale Labor, um, lots of draft and hold. So there, there is a slight chance that Casas could be a, a big-time difference maker down the stretch and that's especially appealing just given the fact that he's a first baseman and that's a tough position to find uh, competent help from uh, off the waiver wire uh eric samolski who uh i was on a podcast with recently um he wants to know uh, with leody Tavares and bubba thompson off to strong starts could we see either get a chance in houston or in in texas this season uh, Thompson has 19 strikeouts and zero walks at AAA, so I don't think he's very relevant for 
you know, redraft leagues. Uh, he might get the call, but he's not on the 40 man roster. Um, I think he would just really, really struggle against big league pitching. Uh, there's kind of a common theme over the past year plus is just in, in order for us to have any sort of faith in a guy going from triple A to the majors and having success against big league pitching, they, they not only need to just be tearing the cover off the ball, triple A, but really you kind of want to see more walks and strikeouts um, or at least something close to that, especially if uh, they're 23, 24, I think Thompson's 23 uh, with Tavares. He, he like Thompson hasn't really been walking a ton. He's at least got more than zero walks. Um, but at least for Tavares, he's not striking out a ton. He is on the 40 man roster. He's someone who I think Texas might still hope is in their long-term plans. So I think we would see him before Thompson. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to hit for a high average, but he'd be capable of maybe he hits like 235, which wouldn't kill you. And he steals some bases. And, you know, I, I think there's, he could be relevant in deeper leagues. Uh, Brockness Monster uh, wants to know about Nick Prado. Is he stuck behind Vinny Pascantino? Uh, got a lot of questions about this this Royals uh, first base situation as well. Um, you know, Prado's on the 40-man roster. He's a better defensive first baseman than Pascantino. And, you know, the Royals aren't the smartest organization. Uh, but really, anyone can see that Pascantino is the only one of these two who could possibly have success in the majors right now, just given the way that they're performing. Uh, Pasquantino's uh, stat line at AAA, basically exactly what you would hope uh, a slugger like him would be doing there in order for us to have any any faith in them having success against big league pitching, whereas Prado, if, if you're striking out 35% of the time at AAA, uh, regardless of how old you are, you're just you're going to struggle to hit above the Mendoza line against big league pitching. Um, I, I think it's worth noting that Carlos Santana – has shown some signs of life over the past few days. So I don't think this is imminent, especially with Pascantino, not on the 40 man roster, but uh, it's, you know, deeper leagues, certainly AL only. I think it is maybe stashing season with Pascantino. Uh, Todd D wants to know the ETA on Juan Yapez. Uh, he, he's the type of guy, like he's not a high end prospect. I could see him being brought up for like a double header or something or, just a couple of weeks as just to add some depth uh, off the bench and then getting sent back down. Uh, I don't think he's got much impact potential this season. I mean, for a first baseman slash DH like him, you'd want him to just be kicking the door down. Um, and, and he's not really doing that. Uh, Bob may, do you think James Wood is the real deal? Wood has just blown away my expectations so far this season. A lot of prospects have struggled uh, making the jump from complex ball to single A. So that makes it even more impressive. Um, and this is this is actually something I was sort of talking with uh, Jesse Roach uh, a couple of days ago about. I, like we, we talk a lot about the jump from AAA to the big leagues being just bigger than it's ever been. It's just such a, a change um, in terms of the, the caliber of pitching you're facing. But I think the jump from complex ball to low A – and it's, it's intuitive, but it's it's kind of under-discussed how massive that has gotten and how challenging it is to have success from going from the complex level to low A, especially if you're an uh, 18 or 19-year-old hitter. Uh, it's, it's obvious. I mean, like, there's no Pioneer League anymore. There's no Appy League. Um, 
those those short season leagues don't really exist those kind of bridges from complex ball to low a now you're just going straight from complex ball to low a and um you're getting pitchers at low a who can just throw a whole bag of of tricks at you that you're just not going to see at the complex level guys that can um confidently uh spin breaking balls that they can land for strikes guys guys with change-ups i mean you just you're just not gonna like you're not gonna see many change-ups in in the complex uh level so um guys are gonna really be able to attack hitters who have some some issues with their approach or some holes in their swing and so kind of back to james wood very very impressive that he has not only uh had success there but i mean he just looks like he he's the one who uh is too much for these pitchers to handle at that level so uh couldn't have asked for a better start from him uh dr octagon cards wants to know level of concern about reggie preciato uh very very significant concerns about preciato uh just a really really bad uh rank by me to to push him up uh where i had him uh last summer um probably one of my worst uh rankings i've done in in recent years uh pushing him as high as i did uh i think honestly i think he's a a drop in leagues where like 200 prospects are rostered uh it would have to be a, a league where you're rostering uh i don't know 300 plus prospects um for me to be patient with preciato he just um and i talked with uh, someone who saw him in person uh recently and he just said he looked terrible um and you, you could just see that in the numbers right i mean he's striking out almost 50 percent of the time uh doesn't mean that he's never gonna amount to anything but um i don't think you got to be patient with him uh he's three plus years away no real signs of of him uh kind of actualizing uh as an offensive player the way that i sort of hoped he would um john wants to know what is jordan groshan's major league position going to be why do teams like to sign players like albert pujols to block guys like juan yapez um and then he also asked is sedane rafaela uh, Mookie Betts 2.0. Um, Groshans is a guy that's, I think, capable of playing third, like third base is probably his best position long-term. Uh, but he's he kind of came up as a shortstop. We know that he's not going to profile at either of those positions as long as Boba Shett and Matt Chapman are healthy. Um, but he could play second base, and I think he could fill in at, at uh, on the left side of the infield if those guys are ever hurt. And so, second base is is a spot where he could he could absolutely hang it, and uh, you know maybe even a corner outfield spot. Uh, and he might be used as trade bait this summer. I mean, the Blue Jays are all in on winning right now, so uh, and they've they've traded a lot of prospects away. I think that they knew that Groshans. Uh, could really uh, improve his stock uh, this season. So um, maybe it didn't make sense to them to, to trade him uh, back when they traded Austin Martin. Um, as as for Yepes and Pujols, like Yepes just isn't a good enough real-life prospect to worry about blocking. He's just he's not going to add any value defensively. M- maybe he has um, maybe he has like a three- or four-year run as – it's a guy who's hitting 25, 28 homers and 
getting on base at like a 330 clip as as your DH or your first baseman or you know, maybe even carves out like a, a Jesus Aguilar type of career. But those aren't guys that you should worry about blocking. Those are guys where it's like best case scenario, they're a one and a half or two win player. Um, so just every org has someone um, who's kind of like Juan Yepes. Um, so you don't worry about that. Uh, now, should they have brought in Albert Pujols? I probably wouldn't have done that. But um, as for Rafaela, uh, you know, Betts, I think it's underrated how good of a statistical prospect uh, Mookie Betts was. And this was kind of before uh, prospecting was such a big deal online and for fantasy. Uh, it was still basically, you know, just Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, uh, kind of ranking prospects, Keith Law. Um, so you didn't have people kind of catching on as quickly on guys like Mookie Betts who didn't have that sort of pedigree. But if you go back and look at what Mookie Betts did uh, in the minor leagues, I mean, just absolutely elite uh, was walking more and he struck out at several stops while being young for the level. Uh, really nice, uh, batter ball profile. I think Rafaela is arguably the top pop-up prospect of the year. Uh, not, a, I mean, he's, he's a guy that people knew about uh, coming into the year, but not a guy who I, I had ranked as a top 400 prospect. Uh, that said, I think I'd value him as a borderline top 100 prospect right now. Um, Anthony Stoez, wants to know if Matt Brash's K to walk will normalize in the MLB or does he risk being sent down? Uh, I think the scouting report on Matt Brash, uh, which is to not swing and make him throw strikes. I think that is, that is out. Uh, I think it took one start. He had that, that good first start and teams are basically telling their guys like, you're not going to hit, <laughs> you're not going to hit his breaking ball make him throw his pitches for strikes. Uh, that's his weakness right now is his command and his control. Uh, Brash is going to have to adjust back. If he can't do that, he could get sent back down. Um, I don't think it's, it's not panic time on Brash in dynasty leagues by, by any stretch. Uh, you know, you don't see guys with his type of uh, fastball breaking ball combo come around very often. Uh, but it, it could be one of those developmental tracks for a pitching prospect where it just takes a while. Um, you know, like think about a, a guy like, uh, Robbie Ray, for instance, where just, you know, he, he would have some big strikeout seasons, but be kind of a whip liability. Um, it all comes together from one year, but, uh, maybe Brash isn't the type of pitching prospect who is just, um, awesome as a rookie and then just kind of never looks back. Uh, I do think Nick Lodolo might be that type of pitching prospect. I would be trying to trade for Lodolo uh, anywhere you can right now. Um, Richard Sands wants to know uh, he's in a, he's in a dynasty league where he's in win now mode and who should be his highest waiver priorities. Uh, he gave a long list of guys um, and he wants, wanted to know who's going to be the, the first one to get to the majors. Uh, Kyle Stowers uh, with the Orioles is someone who I think uh, really stands out among the bunch of guys he listed. Uh, he will definitely be the first one of these players up, Richard. And uh, I think he's the best of the bunch right now. He, he listed Zach Geloff, who I think is probably the uh, highest ranked prospect of all these guys on my rankings right now. But and I like Geloff, but just given um, the swing and miss miss issues with uh, Geloff right now, Double A, even though he's performing, um, Stowers 
you know, he his uh he he looks ready. He looks ready for big league pitching. He's at AAA. Uh, the Orioles, you know, I think he'll he'll get a shot at some point. Um, Trader Andy, uh, buddy of mine, uh, wants to know uh, how Miguel Vargas compares to Josh Young. What's his ETA, and would he get called up uh, ahead of Michael Bush? Um, got lots of questions about Michael Bush, uh, but Vargas compares he, he's kind of similar to josh young uh guys where you're, you're sort of hoping that it's a plus hit tool plus power um you know i think it's worth uh noting with vargas versus bush vargas is two years younger he plays three positions on the infield he plays third base he's played some second base he's played first base bush has only played second base in dh um, so Vargas is two years younger, but he plays more positions and he's the one they sent to triple a, whereas they sent Bush back to double a after Bush, uh, really, you know, there was no reason necessarily to send Bush back to double a, um, he was great at double a last year by what you'd expect from Michael Bush. You know, Michael Bush is kind of a three true outcome type of guy. Um, that's what he did uh, last year at double a and he's back there and he's just killing it. But, uh, you know, I think Vargas is just clearly the better prospect than Bush at this point. When you factor all that stuff in, I think the Dodgers sort of tipped their hand um, when they assigned um, the younger guy to Triple uh, A. Um, and you know, I think if if Josh Young were healthy, he would be in the majors. I think he might be having success. But by the time we get to like this off season, which is probably when Young will be back to full health. Vargas will have had all this experience at AAA. Uh, he, he might even have some experience in the majors. I think Vargas at that point will be more ready for big league pitching than Young is after all the time he's missed. And so that's why I have Vargas ahead of Young on the top 400, even though if, if they're both healthy right now, I think Young um, Young would have entered the season as a, as a top 10 prospect. Um, so uh, let's see. Ryan wants to know, if uh, I put out my first year player draft rankings today, where would I put Matt McLean? Uh, first taste of pro ball seems extremely encouraging. I already had McLean ranked pretty aggressively. I had him ranked sixth for first year player drafts entering the year, uh, but he'd be a top three guy for me at this point. Um, you know, a couple other guys that I think have also had really impressive starts, Brady house and uh, Henry Davis um mclean though i think what a big separator for him is like the pirates sent davis to high a, the Brewers sent self relic to high a the orioles sent colton cowser to high a the Reds sent mclean to double a and those are kind of the four top college hitters from that class mclean is the only one sent to double a and he's been great and i think he's a, a guy who um I gravitate towards these types of guys where it's, you know, power or it's speed hit tool defense. People question the power. Uh, I think McLean uh, was always going to kind of beat those uh, power expectations. So um, he's, he's really exciting. I think for fantasy um, uh, cheese beef, Chaz beef wants to know uh, any update on why Ian Lewis isn't at single a, uh, I've heard it's not injury related, but um, I, and I, I wouldn't expect him. I think he will be sent to an affiliate um, at some point here in the coming weeks. 
Uh, Chris Valenci wants to know uh, my thoughts on the slow starts for some of the blue chip prospects who broke uh, camps with their big league teams. He lists Spencer Torkelson, Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez, Reed Detmers. Um, you know, Torkelson is doing about as good as I think you could hope for him to be doing. So I wouldn't worry about, I don't think this is a slow start for Torkelson. I think this is just kind of um, what you would hope for if you drafted Torkelson. Uh, he's not hitting for high average. Not many guys are hitting for high average right now. I think he's kind of more of a three true outcomes guy and, and that's what he's doing. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, I, I, I don't care about the, the slash line or like he's going to be a star. The fact that he's stealing this many bases while struggling to get on base like I, I thought I was pretty high on him in terms of the the speed uh, that he could offer, thinking that he was going to be a 15 to 20 guy, 20 steel guy uh, over a full season. But I think now you got to look at him as a 30 steel guy. And those are those are rare in the first place. But when it's a blue chip hitting prospect uh, who could be a 300 hitter with 30 plus homer power, if you go from being a 15 to 20 steel guy to a 30 steel guy, like whoa like uh, that just sort of changes the whole equation on julio i would be trying to trade for him in dynasty leagues right now uh bobby witt this is kind of the, the worst case scenario but not a unforeseen scenario uh thought he was getting overdrafted uh i, th- I expect him to have a better month than he than he had uh in april in, in may but um you know it's 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 not great um but I think this is in the realm of reasonable um, possibilities for, for wit. Uh, and uh, with Detmers, I am a little concerned because the curveball and the slider are just uh, not as dominant of pitches as they were for him last year. And that that's going to have to change. Like we got to hope that this is a sort of a small sample with him because um, those were big time with pitches for him last year. Um and given his fastball, like he needs the slider and the curveball to be getting whiffs at a high clip um, for the whole package to kind of work. So uh, kind of in wait and see mode with Detmers, but uh, there's some things you can point to that, that you could be concerned about with him. And then he, Chris also wanted to know, uh, do I expect Adley Rutschman up by early June? Uh, I, I think, yeah, late May, early June, um, probably late May. Uh, if he avoids setbacks, I think they'll give him a couple weeks at AAA and bring him up with like Grayson Rodriguez. Um, Cam Anderson, the Nationals have two guys in the top 54 of your list and nobody else in the top 200. How much of that is based on the org, like me not trusting their development versus the individual flaws of the players? Uh, with the Nats, I don't view them as a bad developmental org. This is just kind of the natural progression. Uh, most teams aren't the Dodgers, right? Like most teams, you don't compete for World Series for a three or four year stretch and just maintain that level of excellence with your farm system and your big league club. With most teams, you um, kind of empty out your farm, you compete for championships, and then it's kind of a, you know, a bit of a, a rough time for your franchise where you kind of restock in the farm and everything like that. So I think this is just kind of a natural uh, way that it goes. You know, they, they won a World Series. Um, Brady House has been great for them so far this year. Uh, Kyber Ruiz and Josiah Gray didn't qualify as prospects entering the year, but I think you could still sort of think of them as as prospects, basically. So you know, the Nats, 
they're not an org where I'm looking at them as like, oh, I'm going to downgrade these prospects because they're in the Nationals organization. Uh, this isn't the Rockies. Um, this isn't the Royals, uh, who we'll talk about in a second. But um, yeah, I, Nationals are, are fine. Um, Kale Loken uh, with Jazz Chisholm's hot start. Is he in the conversation for being a top 25 dynasty player? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I had him as a top 35 dynasty player coming into the year. So uh, I would say he's he's definitely in that conversation for the top 25. Um, Brent wants to know if there's any news on Masail Urbina's visa situation. Will he be joining Fort Myers anytime soon? I don't, you're not going to get an update on that until the issue is resolved, really. Uh, Kenny wants to know if Ezekiel Tovar is going to be Tim Anderson in Colorado. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a fun idea, right? Like uh, Tim Anderson in Colorado, sign me up. Um, but in, in all seriousness, Tovar is one of the more impressive prospects in all the minors through the first like three weeks of the season. Uh, that was, I touched on him in the, the article a couple of weeks ago about uh, national league assignments. And that was a really aggressive assignment to send him to double a, especially considering he wasn't that great at high a wasn't great in the Arizona fall league, but they sent him to double a and he is doing the best version of what he can do out there. And he does not look overmatched. So, um, his stock is, is way up. Um, and yeah, if, if he can kind of keep this up, um, slot in as the Rockies shortstop in, in a couple of years. I mean, that could be, that could be a ton of fun. Um, Al Shearer wants to know what I make of Andrew Painter's start to the season. A big six, seven, six, eight righty with, um, really power stuff. Not surprising that he's overmatching low a hitters and kind of what I touched on earlier in the show. Uh, a lot of these hitters at low a, are just guys who are really getting thrown in the deep end. Uh, they just got done with complex ball and now they're at low a it's just a different animal. And so a guy like painter with his power stuff, that extension he's going to get on his fastball, as long as he's throwing strikes, uh, he's just going to be dominant at that level. So uh, I think this is one of those situations where, if you got him in your first year player draft or you picked him up off waivers, you should feel great about that. But I don't think you should be rushing out trying to trade for Andrew Painter right now. Um, still a long road ahead with him, and we'll we'll learn more about him when he gets to, to high A and double A. Ian Strada wants to know, for guys like Bryson Stott and Huascar Enoa, what size leagues are you considering dropping them? Uh, in in a redraft league, I think you could drop both of them. Uh for player, if you if there's someone out there on the wave wire who you think is going to help you win right now, uh, no problem dropping those guys. In a dynasty league, I'd even be okay uh, moving on from Huascar Inoa. Uh, I went back and looked, and he peaked on my top 400 prospect rankings at 203 overall in 2018. So, not a guy with like what he did last year really came out of nowhere and. Maybe I should have had him ranked higher than 203 back before he uh, graduated and stuff like that. But um, yeah, just a guy that I've never really been on and he's been terrible this year, both in the majors and in the minors. So uh, 
I yeah, there there might be someone out there who's just better than than him. Um, in a deeper dynasty league, you're you're probably holding both these guys. Uh, I'm I'm kind of kicking myself for bumping Stott up my prospect rankings. I, I had him like in the 60s, and then after spring training, when it seemed like he was going to make the team out of camp, uh, I bumped him up uh, inside the 30 or inside the top 30. Uh, really regret that. Uh, was not a guy that I was ever that big on. Um, so I, I think you got to hold Stott in dynasty. I mean, it, he might only be six weeks away from being an everyday player, but um, not as good as people thought he was uh, a month ago. Um, Max Arderburn, which high A and double A hot starts are most believable of these five? And he lists Christian Encarnacion Strand uh, with the Twins, Matthew Lugo with the Red Sox, Donna Rafaela with the Red Sox, Asturi Ruiz with the Padres, and Gerard Encarnacion with the Marlins. Uh, I'd rank them Rafaela, Encarnacion Strand, Ruiz, uh, Encarnacion, and Lugo. Uh, but they've all they've all got promising characteristics to their starts and their They'd be added. They'd all be added to the top 400 if I was updating it today. Uh, and then Jeremy Hansen also had a Asturi Ruiz question. Uh, when do you buy back in on former top 100 guys like Asturi Ruiz or Calvin Mitchell? Cal Mitchell, I guess I think is what his name is officially uh, with the Pirates. Uh, Ruiz is he's doing something that he he never really came close to before this season. He's walking more than he's striking out. Uh, but I think you got to be careful with a guy who's repeating a level like he is at double a uh, he's certainly got my attention and he's not so old that we just completely throw this out. But uh, I wouldn't, I don't think I would put Ruiz like inside my top 200 just yet, uh, even though he, he would be back on the top 400 uh, Cal Mitchell though. Uh, really, really impressive start from him. And he checks a ton of boxes Uh you can look at our, our hard hit data on the site for minor leaguers and his hard hit data is elite. Uh, 41.7% hard hit data at, or hard hit rate at AAA. Uh, really excellent batted ball profile, excellent plate skills. He's His strikeout to walk rate's almost one-to-one. Um, and there's that's a perfect team context to be in. Uh, he's not on the 40-man roster, but you look at, you know, Travis Swaggart, he's off to a slow start. Uh, might not be that long before Mitchell is up and getting a shot with the Pirates, and he could not be performing any better at AAA. So, I mean, Mitchell, I would value him as as basically a, a top 100 prospect, uh, top 120 at least at this point, just given the proximity and how uh, good he started this season. Uh, first to third wants an update on Christian Hernandez with the Cubs. Uh, there's there's nothing really to update here. Uh, he played in the DSL last year. He's going to open in uh, Complex League this year. That's pretty much the standard procedure for a guy like that. Uh, he'll uh, be the most exciting prospect in that league and could get to single A by the end of the year. But um, you don't guys don't go from the DSL to low a uh almost ever so you shouldn't have expected hernandez to open the year in a full season ball uh gabriel garcia wants to know uh well he says corbin carroll looks incredible 
Are he and Robert Hassel far off in terms of skill set? Are we looking at two potential top five prospects or are these two different caliber prospects with different caliber ceilings? Uh, the main difference between Carroll and Hassel is Carroll's speed. It's at least a grade higher than Hassel's. Um, usually I think you'll see Carroll as a 70 grade runner. Hassel is a 55 or 60 grade runner. Uh, but I could, I could see Carroll being that like, I'm already sort of in my mind thinking of Carroll as the number one overall prospect, uh, once this wave of guys graduates and, uh, that, you know, Carroll versus Riley green, for instance, you know, greens hurt. Uh, he's presumably going to graduate before the end of the season, but I think you could think of Corbin Carroll and Riley Green as in similar tiers. Um, so I'm kind of thinking as Carol, of Carroll as the number one overall prospect uh, once these guys graduate. And then Hassel, uh, he could be a top five prospect in short order for sure. Uh, his start to the season has been extremely impressive. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, you're talking about two blue chip prospects for sure. Uh, Dan says he's seeing a lot of crazy high strikeout rates for top hitting prospects early on. He lists Brennan Davis, Khalil Watson, Bobby Witt, Julio Rodriguez, and many others. Uh, are these red flags, or do you write these off as guys settling in at a new level with adjustments coming? I think uh, kind of like a orange flag with Brennan Davis and Bobby Witt. You know, not surprising. Like if you told me before the season that this would be where those guys would be at. Uh, statistically, I wouldn't have been shocked. It's not ideal. Uh, you could have definitely seen scenarios where they were much better than this, in which case, you know, we'd be all extremely excited. Um, but I do expect Davis and Witt to be much better over the next month than they than they were the first month. Uh, I have zero concerns with Julio Rodriguez, kind of as I alluded to earlier. I think he's just going to be an absolute star. Uh, and I, with Watson, kind of a red flag, uh, not to say that I'm going to bump Cleo Watson like outside. I, I don't think I'll bump him like outside the top 50, but I mean, you never know. I mean, this is, I did not, um, think this was really in the profile with him. Like I, I knew that he was going to have some strikeout issues as he moved up the ladder. I would not have guessed he would have struck out over 40% of the time in his first taste of, uh, low a. So, uh, just it kind of adds something to the profile that wasn't there coming into the year. Uh, like compare Khalil Watson's strikeout rate to, to Brady House, for instance. You know, same class, uh, roughly the same age. House is kind of doing um, from a strikeout and walk standpoint what I expected Watson to do. Uh, David Reagan, a Rotowire contributor, wants to know uh, every year the Dodgers graduate top talent and other talent steps up into their top 10. Who are a couple guys in the 15 to 20 range that could vault into top five status over the next year? Uh, I think in terms of big risers that are outside the top 10, uh, you're mostly looking on the pitching side. Uh, Maddox Bruns and Nick Nestrini from last year's draft class, uh, both have big-time stuff. You could see those guys finish the year um, maybe inside their top five, but uh, I don't think they're going to graduate enough guys, honestly, over the next year for those he- those guys to get that high. Uh, and then I think on the the hitting side, you know, not not outside the top fifteen, but I think Wilman Diaz could break out this year in, in complex ball. Uh, Jose Ramos 
is a little old for for single A, but he he's been impressive so far. So I mean, he could be uh, a guy that we're sort of talking about a year from now, kind of the way that we we talk about like Miguel Vargas, maybe uh, Johnny Millionaire also had a Dodgers question regarding their pitching pipeline. Uh, Bobby Miller, Ryan Pepio, and Maddox Bruns all seem to have extreme upside. Can you review their stuff in command? When do you see them debuting? Uh, well, Bruns, you know, he's a he's a teenager at single A. He's three years away at least, uh, but he does have a very high ceiling. And he was kind of a guy that there was a ton of buzz around Bruns uh, this spring uh, from scouts seeing him. Um, so he's he's probably going to have a, a green up arrow next to his name on the next update, even though he's, he's several years away. Uh, Bobby Miller, the main thing with him, like, you know, he's a double a, I don't, I don't think he's going to get to the big leagues this year. I wouldn't, wouldn't rule it out, but the Dodgers just have so many arms. Um, and with Miller, you know, like you look at his game logs, he's never really going that deep. Um, dating back to last year, even, uh, just he needs to kind of get on a starter schedule, um, go every fifth or sixth day, go four to five innings, um, get that that innings count up over 100. I think that's kind of the main thing with Miller this year. No one no one doubts the stuff with him, but can he handle a, a starter's workload? Um, and then with Pepio, uh, I think it I think he's just um, he's going to be very interesting at the stuff. Like you said, I mean, stuff is is really impressive, but I've sort of had him pegged as a, like a three inning reliever um, for a while. You don't see many of those, but like he could be sort of in that uh, like Spencer Strider mold, maybe even a Joan Duran mold with the twins uh, where he's just getting a ton of strikeouts, um, but he just, it, it plays better in relief because the command comes and goes, c- consistency comes and goes. Uh, I just, I don't really view him as a starting pitcher long-term, but of the three, he's at least a triple A. So maybe if he can kind of fix some of the, the command issues and uh, become more consistent, maybe he does get a shot this year in the rotation. Uh, Landon Knack is is honestly like my favorite Dodgers pitching prospect from a total package standpoint, but he's building up and extended spring training from an undisclosed injury. So um, he's kind of out of sight, out of mind at the moment. Uh, another Dodgers question, Simon P uh, is James Outman too old for his level. Will we ever see him in the bigs or is it time to drop him? Um, yeah, he, for, for, to be at, I think he's what, 25 at double a, um, he's got power, he's got speed, he's a really good defender. That's why he's on the 40 man roster. Uh, but you can't be that old and be at double a and struggling the way he is. So yeah, I think you could drop James Outman. He's trending to be removed from not only the top 400, but you know, who, who knows how long he stays on the Dodgers 40 man roster. And then, uh, Simon also wanted to know, uh, about the pirates. Uh, they have so many scrubs on the active roster. Might we see an influx of prospects later this year? Do any catch my eye? Uh, well, I, I do like Diego Castillo, who is already on the active roster. So my hope is that he just kind of gets regular playing time here for a while. I think he will start to produce. Um, doesn't have the highest fantasy ceiling, but I think he will start to produce. <clears throat> and then uh, 
let's see. Uh, well, uh, O'Neill Cruz, obviously, I think he's still worth a stash. He's off to a slow start, um, but the weather in the Midwest has just been awful. Uh, would not hold that against him necessarily. But then, as I, as I said earlier in the show, Cal Mitchell is really, I, I don't even know if you can call him a sleeper, um, but he's he's the guy uh, that I would be keeping an eye on for a promotion. Um, Banksy wants to know, what do you think of this trade in a Dynasty Points 10-teamer? Uh, Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, Joe Adele, Nolan Gorman, Chris Bryant for Juan Soto, Rafael Devers, Ozzy Albies, and Willie Adames. I'm always kind of downgrading the prospects unless they're just elite prospects in a deal like this. And I'm, I'm not a huge Chris Bryant guy, even with the move to Coors. Um, so, I, you know, give me the, give me the Soto, Devers, Albies, Adames side. You're getting four high end young big leaguers. Uh, and it's really kind of fun that Devers, Albies, and Adames all play different positions in the infield. Um, that, that could be like your infield core going forward. Juan Soto, the best player to own in Dynasty. So give me that side. Uh, Todd D, who will get the first call? Max Meyer, Bobby Miller, Hayden Wesneski. Uh, already touched on Miller. I don't even know if he's going to be up this year. Uh, the Yankees are always uh, frustrating when it comes to promoting guys into to full-time roles in the rotation. Um, but the Marlins don't really have a need for Meyer either. I thought Craig Mish uh, made some interesting points about Meyer a couple of weeks ago on the podcast where he was saying that they kind of, they might give Braxton Garrett a look first, uh, just given how much they've got invested in him. Um, and Meyer might, might also debut out of the bullpen, maybe even as the closer. Uh, I think Wes Nesky and Meyer are both close to ready. Meyer basically is ready. Um, I'll go Meyer, but I think I don't think they're going to be up any of those three uh, on the timeline that you want them to be up, Todd, unfortunately. And then Todd also wanted to know about uh, Rowanzi Contreras with him being uh, the best pitcher in the organization. Uh, why is he not starting for them? Um, and then Max Margolis also had a Rowanzi Contreras question. Uh, how good is he capable of being this year? Could he be something in the neighborhood of 2021 uh, Shane McClanahan? Uh, so I think the reason why, like the Pirates, look, they're not, um, it's not a talented rotation, uh, but they're hoping that maybe two of the guys in their rotation right now can emerge as back end or maybe middle of the rotation starters for them long term. And they're not going to find anything out about those guys if they're not in the big league rotation. So I know they're not good. Um, I do think Will Crow is pretty interesting if they start stretching him out uh, and giving him uh, a starter's workload. I think that'd be pretty interesting. But I think the Pirates want to see what they have in these guys. As soon as somebody gets hurt or they pull the plug on one of them, uh, maybe Contreras is up. I don't think his stuff is quite in that McClanahan range. I mean, McClanahan had a bunch of really good pitches. Uh, it was a lefty throwing upper 90s. Ronsi Contreras is... You know, it's fastball, breaking ball, uh, changeups okay. So I don't think he has the depth. And then McClanahan just being the lefty that's throwing upper 90s versus the righty throwing upper 90s. Uh, I don't think it's quite on that level. Uh, Matt Haas wants to know my thoughts on Trevor Larnock going forward. Seems like the approach hasn't been the same since the layoff. Yeah, I mean, he seems to kind of hit a wall after double A. He was always on the older side, struck out a lot. Um, so not, not a guy that I think you have to be super patient with, uh, in, in 
most dynasty leagues you're holding a guy like this, especially with the playing time kind of being there right now. But um, I'm not overly optimistic on Trevor Larnick being a, a post-hype breakout. Uh, John Dobos has a few questions. Uh, Carlos Hernandez with the Royals. How does he look so far under the hood? Um, under the hood, over the hood, uh, doesn't really matter. <laughs> Hernandez, uh, I, I dropped him in AL Labor a couple weekends ago. So that because in, in AL Labor, you have to keep uh, your pitchers that you got in the auction in your active roster or you have to drop them. And I was just so worried about Hernandez that I just dropped him. I think I, I spent big on Paul Blackburn. Um, and I'm not even, you know, Paul Blackburn, he could get beat up by the Giants today, but I just was terrified of Hernandez destroying my ratio. So I dropped him. Um, the the strikeouts, the, the stuff and the strikeouts don't line up. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, you know, not good uh, catcher framing, um, not good development by the Royals. Uh, but either way, I mean, I think he's a guy where he could probably use a change of scenery. Uh, John also wanted to know about Taylor Ward. Is he an ad in 12 teamers? Yeah. I mean, you could add Taylor Ward in any league. Um, any prospects in your top 50 that are, that you're disappointed or worried about? Uh, I think like Nick Gonzalez, Dustin Harris, Bryson Stott kind of come to mind. Uh, I'm not, not uh, terrified of the way those guys have started the season, but uh, not, not in love with it. Uh, and then Cody Morris expectations after his latest injury uh, with, with a guy like this, where it's just, you know, a 60 day DL uh, just got to wait until that timeline is kind of up. If he is ready to go um, when they said he'd be ready to go. Um, it, it doesn't seem like it's on the super serious side of shoulder injuries. From what I understand, uh, any shoulder injury is, is serious, obviously to some degree, but um, we could look up in mid to late June and Morris could be pitching in minor league games and uh, could be having success and all could be forgotten. But if there's setbacks, if he's kind of, if he ramps up and then something else happens, or if he's just kind of um, not getting going when they said he would start getting going, then I think you can start to worry a little bit more about, about Morris. Uh, Steve G says that uh, I had Mason win pretty high at the end of last year and he's really picked it up. Seems like he could vault into top 20-ish prospects by the end of the year. Do you agree? And should I buy now and drop Nick Prado? I don't think top 20 is likely for win, but I also don't think it's um, a 0% chance uh, given his tools. And yeah, in a dynasty league, I would drop Nick Prado for Mason Wynn. Uh, tools he wants to know, uh, he said Nolan Gorman is getting a lot of buzz. He still strikes out a lot and has a defensive and has defensive issues at second base. I believe he will struggle if called up. Do you agree? I do agree, Toolsy. The strikeouts are more concerning to me than the home runs are impressive for Nolan Gorman. Um, so I think he could be a guy who struggles this year and then maybe is a sort of post-hype breakout guy next year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Baseball is back. That's right. An entire glorious season. All 162 games and with live events resuming, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with vivid seats. Every backdoor slider, every round tripper and every double header can be experienced live. And with vivid seats rewards, you can start earning free tickets from your very first purchase. Just buy, collect stamps and redeem. It's that easy. From behind the dugout to upper level, vivid seats has you covered for all the games that matter to you. Pro tip. Buy tickets for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free ticket even faster. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. All right, Andrew Mason. Uh, do you think Ricky Tiedemann with the Blue Jays will be jumping into your top 400? He's pretty good so far, albeit needs to cut down on the walks. Uh, yeah, Tiedemann uh, definitely trending towards entering the top 400, probably the top 300, top 250, something like that. Um, fastball and changeup combo, that's going to give uh, it's upper 90s fastball, uh, good mid-80s changeup. That's going to give hitters uh, fits in the lower levels. Uh, probably needs to eat. I think his last start, he wasn't really throwing the slider a ton or, or the curveball that much. But um, if, if one of those breaking balls emerges, he will have success in the upper levels as long as he can throw enough strikes. So 
but I mean, at his age, he's ahead of schedule, uh, even just with the fastball changeup combo. So yeah, Tiedemann uh, trending up. And then got some uh, Royce Lewis questions um, from Toolsy, Stephen P, Keith Schulte. Uh, let's see. Um, you know, people wanted to know when's he going to be up? Is he playing any other positions besides shortstop? Uh, Jose, Royce Lewis versus Jose Miranda. Where are you projecting Royce Lewis to rank in your end of May update? Uh, I touched a little bit on this in last week's article about American League assignments, but uh, Lewis is probably the best story in the minors. Uh, he's easily past Miranda if he were ever behind him. I'm, I'm not sure if I ever had Miranda ahead of Lewis, but um, yeah, Lewis, he's only playing shortstop right now, but he can play anywhere. And, you know, he, he showed in the AFL, he was playing third base. He's playing corner outfield. He could play center field if he needed to. Um, I just, I, Lewis, I can't say enough about him. Um, fantasy upside is through the roof. Like he could be, he could be a first round pick in fantasy. Um, it's all about the hit tool with him, but I mean, he's going to hit for power. He's got crazy bat speed. Uh, he's going to steal bases. He's an elite athlete. He can play anywhere. Um, so yeah, I think he, I, I don't think the twins are going to rush him. Um, you know, with a guy like this who missed a full year with an injury like that, the last thing you want to do is like, interrupt this great start at triple a bring him up to the big leagues and then have him fall flat on his face uh, and then you're kind of almost back to square one so i think they want to let him build at least a, a couple months two three months of, of big time success triple a and if he's if he's still just really dominating uh they could probably find a spot for him i mean that division's wide open so i think he could help them um but i, I don't think they're gonna push him super fast just given all the time he missed last year the problem with Miranda is he's just a really bad defender. He's like the opposite of Royce Lewis. He's a bad athlete. Uh, he doesn't really have anywhere that he's great at defensively. So uh, while he's a pretty good hitter, um, yeah, it's kind of like it's like the Willie Calhoun problem. Um, you really have to rake uh, for a team to find room for you when you, you have those de- defensive limitations. Uh, attempting ethics. Can you share thoughts on how for real – are the crazy hot starts of young players like Emmanuel Rodriguez, Mason Wynn, Alexander Ovales, Sedane Rafaela, Joshua Mears. Uh, what should we be looking for to find the next Juan Soto who lights up early? Uh, well, you know, you're not going to find the next Juan Soto with someone who was like unrostered. Um, going into the year in dynasty leagues like Juan Soto he did have that that meteoric rise through the minors but like he was a I don't know, top 25 top 20 prospect for me heading into that year uh big time pedigree on the international uh, market so you're not going to find the next Juan Soto um but strikeouts walks uh you're looking at that right away are they at a level that is challenging them? Are they repeating a level? Uh, how old are they? Like if, if a guy is putting up crazy numbers, but he's 23 and he's at high a, um, you know, that, that one, you got to take a little bit longer to really kind of buy in, uh, of all those prospects you listed. I wouldn't say any of them are for real, like in terms of what they're doing right now, but, 
Uh, I think Mason Wynn's probably the one who I'm most excited about. Um, I think his his tools are, are have the potential to be really loud long term. Uh, power speed uh, upside there. Uh, Rafaela is is probably right behind him. Uh, Mears, you know, he's going to put up crazy power numbers in the lower levels, especially. But the strikeouts are still a big issue. Um, you know, exit velocity only gets you so far. Like you have to be able to make contact at a solid clip and, and he's not really doing that yet. Uh, Mark Lois wants to know, uh, he said it's, it's reported the Reds are moving Reese Hines, to the outfield um, due to the injuries he was dealing with last year. Uh, is it time to cut bait in the 12 team NL only league where every team holds seven minors? Uh, I I've been quite high on Reese Hines. I thought that he might be a breakout candidate this year. And I liked that move to the outfield because I, I was hoping that it would kind of translate into him staying healthy, but um, strike it out almost 50% of the time. So in a league like that, uh, you're rostering roughly a hundred prospects. I'm sure you can find someone better than resigns brothers. Judd, should we be worried that the Royals coaching system wide is so bad that it ruins prospects, both pitching, but also hitting, uh, I'm concerned. I'm especially concerned on the pitching side. They've had so many talented pitchers come up through the, the farm system in recent years. And really none of them have uh, had any success, any sustained success in the big league rotation. Like Brady Singer is probably the closest to that. And he was even, he couldn't even break camp in the rotation this year. So, if I were another team, another big league team, I'd be trying to acquire these guys and see if you can kind of get the most out of them once you get them away from the Royals. But um, on the on the position player side, they, there's still some good developmental stories. You know, I mean, they had uh, Vinny Pascantino. Um, I'm still a believer in MJ Melendez. I know that the the numbers haven't quite been there, but it's not like he's um, – he's not pulling a Nick Prado and striking out 37% of the time. And I think they've done a good job with Kyle Isbell. Um, so more concerned on the pitching side, but I think they're probably a bottom five developmental org at this point all, all around. Uh, Scott Corlander, uh, just uh, Jason Dominguez with a shedding a tear emoji. Yeah, it's, it's not good. Um, not good with Jason Dominguez. Uh John McKechnie, buddy John McKechnie, who does a great job covering the NFL draft for us at Rotowire. Uh, he's also a Baltimore Orioles fan, and he wants to know uh, if the John Means injury will speed up the timeline for Kyle Bradish or Grayson Rodriguez. And then if Trey Mancini gets dealt at the deadline, would either Colton Kowser or Kyle Stowers get a look? And then Tom Hodling also wants to know if Kyle Bradish will be called up before Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, Bradish has been off to an awesome start. Uh, he's he's a legitimate uh, pitching prospect. And he's on the 40-man roster. Uh, Grayson is not. Now, I don't think the, or the Orioles are not the type of team that's going to change their timeline on a guy because someone got hurt. Like, they're just so process, 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 you know? Like, um, But I do think, like, Bradish and Rodriguez were probably going to debut in May anyway. Uh, I think they would have found spots for those guys. So I would 
you know, I think Bradish could be gracing up uh, maybe mid-May, like at the earliest, I would think, uh, on Bradish. Um, mid to late May, probably for both those guys, uh, unless there's just, for whatever reason, just uh, not, a, not an obvious spot in that rotation. I haven't looked at it recently, but I, I assume there will be obvious spots in that rotation. And then Kyle Stowers, who I touched on earlier, yeah, I mean, Stowers is definitely going to be up this year if he stays healthy. Uh, he looks like a guy who's ready for that challenge. Uh, he's a little older, so not a, not a sure thing, but uh, statistically he looks like he's ready for the challenge, and um, they'll, they'll be able to find a spot for him. Uh, Colton Kowser is not going to be up uh, this year, Johnny, so sorry about that. Uh all right, let's head to another message from our sponsors. Bet against others with no fees involved. That's right. No pesky hidden fees to ruin your day. Better Edge is a social betting marketplace where there's no fee on each transaction. Better Edge is a social betting marketplace, and chances are it's legal in your state. We bring betting back to its social roots where you can like, comment, and challenge other users all within the app. Play without getting played at Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E.com to sign up today. All right, Mike Greer, can you touch on Daniel Espino and if he is due for a bump in your next updates? Um, Espino is basically as good as a 21-year-old right-handed pitching prospect can possibly be who has made three starts at double-A throws really hard and has never thrown 100 innings in a season so you th- there's no amount of hyperbole that you could say about Espino that I would take issue with it's just how do you choose to value that player I think that's up to each individual um like he, he could be the best pitcher in baseball someday um he could also just not really amount to anything due to injuries and um, challenges coming back from those. So how, how you choose to balance that, that risk reward uh, profile is, is up to you. Uh, I think the, the key with a guy like this is that you acquire them in your first year player draft. Um, and then you either write it out or you sell high on them. Um, you don't acquire them at this stage of the game. I don't think um, just the, the cost is too prohibitive. Uh, and then Jeffrey Thomas wants to know uh, Kyle Harrison or Taj Bradley. And then bonus Yuri Perez or Daniel Spino. Uh, can you rank all four careers long-term? Um, this, this is up there with the, uh, which prospect outside your top 150 could jump inside your top 20 type of questions like rank these four super high upside pitching prospects who are over a year away from the majors like long term it just there's factors the factors that are going to determine how these four end up um, playing out as big leaguers are factors we don't know yet like how healthy are they going to be uh how is their command going to evolve uh over the next two or three years like I just, I don't have enough information to rank those four guys. I can tell you, uh, I think Kyle Harrison and Daniel Spino have had the two best starts to the year of the four. Uh, Harrison has just a ridiculously high ceiling, but all these guys do. Daniel Spino, like really any of these guys could be top five pitchers for fantasy. Um, 
Taj Badley probably lowest of the four because his third pitch isn't quite where those other guys' third pitches are. But um, like Bradley's fastball slider combo is just completely unfair. I mean, he's just dominating at every level he goes to right now. So uh, Harrison, Bradley, Perez, Espino, all just total studs. Um, all have ace upside. I don't really throw that around very often, but um, love all four of those guys. But they, I guarantee two of those guys are going to break your hearts. Uh, you just don't really know which which two it's going to be. Um, Simon P., what do you make of Dre Jameson? He is having himself a hell of a year so far. It's small sample. Uh, but what do you see long-term for him, starter, reliever? And then when do you think he can be up? Uh, I love Dre Jameson. Um, little known fact, Dre Jameson is a Rotowire subscriber. So uh, shouts to Dre Jameson. I doubt he's listening to this, but um, love Dre Jameson. He couldn't be off to a better start this year. Uh, he's back at double A where he finished last year, but um, just big time stuff. Missing bats. He's not walking guys. He's getting ground balls. Um, he's, yeah, I think he's a starter. Uh took me a while to kind of come around to that. I, I thought initially when he was drafted that he was going to be a reliever. Um, but I, I, I've, I'm fully on board with Dre Jameson being a starter long-term. I think he's still pretty underrated. And I think he could be up, uh, you know, later this summer, maybe like July, August, something like that, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, Nick Durazo, what's with Nick Gonzalez's ridiculous K rate? Um you know, it's not that much higher than it was at high A. I think it's like 33% and he was 27% last year. Um, and he's walking a ton, so he might just be too passive right now. Uh, I With Gonzalez, I kind of want to see where those rates stabilize in a month or two. Um, he would not be a top 20 prospect for me if I were updating my rankings today, but he might be uh, when I update him at the at the end of May. So we'll see. Um, Cherlila, uh, Dustin Harris, and Evan Carter with the Rangers. Uh, fuck yeah, or better wait and see. Uh, <laughs> let's let's wait and see. Um, as I said earlier, I mean Dustin Harris really didn't see him striking out as much as he is at Double A. Uh, it's not like time to really really panic, but. Um, obviously he's got some adjustments to make there. Uh, that's, that's still a big jump from high A to double A and then Evan Carter, uh, he's still not getting a power in games, uh, but he's showing a lot of leadoff hitter qualities. He's got the speed, he's got the patience. Um, he's not striking out a ton, uh, but he is, he is kind of just, um, slash and dashing, dumping singles into the opposite field. So, um, we'll see if he kind of evolves into a guy that can do it all, or if he's just going to be a leadoff type, but, um, pretty good start for Carter at high. A. Uh, Dan Odell, at what point in a season does a slow start have meaning? And then he lists, uh, Luis Matos, Anthony Volpe, Reginald Preciado. Uh, do you have any concerns with any top 100 guys this quickly, or do you hold that they will all get it going? And I was curious of any indicators you look at. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, like strikeouts and walks, uh, how challenging was the assignment? 
um, with Preciado. Preciado is just such a uh, clear case of the gap between uh, complex ball right now and single A. And that's what makes, you know, what James Wood and Brady House are doing um, so impressive. Uh, what Preciado's doing, like, he's overmatched. He's he's simply overmatched right now at single A. Uh, when you have a strikeout rate in the mid-40s, that's something, that's an indicator that I look for. Uh, so uh, that this has meaning with Preciado. Like I said, he, he's a drop in some leagues. Um, Volpe... Uh, Matos, I'm not really worried about. I don't really see anything um, in the underlying metrics to be super worried about with Matos. Volpe, uh, like let's let's check back in like a month. Um, I'm not loving it, uh, but uh, there's a reason why I don't do an update to these rankings until late May. And uh, honestly, I probably wouldn't do an update to them until um, late June if. Uh, if I could get away with it, but I know you guys, you guys need that update and I got to start working on draft stuff. So that's the update will be right before Memorial day. Uh, Savages in the box wants to know uh, who is Paul McIntosh and should we be paying attention to him now? Uh, McIntosh is a catcher in the Marlins org and Craig Mish actually mentioned him to me off air uh, after our podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Marlins really think they found something in him. And his numbers at double A are just uh, crazy. Uh, it sucks that he's a catcher, but uh, you know proximity is there, uh, production is there. It's probably time to add Paul McIntosh in serious dynasty leagues, um, even though he's a catcher. James Hanna, what's your opinion on Dylan Bundy? Do you think he is for real? Uh, I did not start Dylan Bundy in a lot of leagues this week uh, against the Rays. I kind of just want to see. I'm I'm a little worried. I mean, the the velocity is at an all time low for him, um, under nine mile an hour average on the fastball. So if he can handle the the Rays start, I can't even remember when that is. But um, I do have Bundy in a few leagues. Uh, the Twins, Twins seem to kind of know what they're doing with with pitching. Um, so that, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, but I, I'm treading carefully with Bundy right now. Um, buddy Dave McDonald, he says, I just want to know who looks like they're ready to produce in the MLB this year. Who should I keep an eye on? Uh, so obviously, like the the obvious names, right? Like O'Neill Cruz, um, Grayson Rodriguez, those guys. But uh, Tristan Casas, Vinny Pascantino, and Cal Mitchell on the hitting side. I think you look at what those guys are doing. You look at the potential opportunity at the big league level. Uh, all, you know, could make an impact this year. And then on the pitching side, some sort of more under the radar guys, uh, Caleb Killian with the Cubs, Kyle Bradish with the Orioles, who I talked about earlier on the pod. Uh, those guys could be productive this year. Notorious DAD, Luis Garcia is tearing it up at AAA. Uh, if prospect eligible, where would he slot? And how about Isaac Paredes as well? I feel like we disregard young players once they hit their 130 ABs, even if they're the same age or younger than other prospect eligible guys. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. Uh, I think they'd both be um, kind of towards the back of the top 100. 
Uh, I was never a, a big Isaac Paredes guy, but uh, something uh, has kind of clicked for him, I think, this year. I think the Rays went after him in that awesome Meadows trade for a reason. I think initially I thought it was just kind of a, we got to get off of this Meadows arbitration money, uh, give us the draft pick, let us play Josh Lowe. But I think there was sort of a method to Paredes being in that deal. And he's been great at AAA. And I mean, Luis Garcia has, has proven, dating back to last year, that he is a good hitter at AAA, a really good hitter. It's just when are the Nationals going to let him play every day in the big leagues? Hopefully it's soon. Um, it's going to be tougher for Paredes to, to crack that, that raise uh, lineup on an everyday basis. But, um, yeah, they're both off to great starts, and we should not uh, forget about those guys. Uh, Dom Hernandez, how much does Pete Crow Armstrong move up your rankings with your next update? He seems like a good James Anderson guy. Any good comps that you can think of? Um, yeah, I mean, Crow Armstrong is right up my alley. I uh, loved him in the draft. Uh, I, I think I got him actually in the Prospects Live uh, mock draft when I was drafting as the Brewers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I mean, he's... Honestly, if you look at if you look at the tools, uh, he's not that different from uh, Robert Hassel. Uh, I think it's you know both guys are good defensive outfielders that people thought were sort of hit over power um, plus speed, and I love these types of guys where people think the power is the worst tool, even though I don't I don't think it's going to be a bad tool. Like I think Crow Armstrong is going to grow into twenty homer power. And he is then kind of a five, a true five tool guy at that point. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where he's going to be, right? Because he's going to have more plate appearances between now and the next update than he has in his entire pro career. So I don't want to say he's going to be top 25 or top 40 or something like that. Uh, we'll see when we get there. But uh, Crow Armstrong is definitely my type of prospect. Hamiltron. Uh, could Corbin Carroll hit his way to a midseason call up? Uh, maybe, um, I don't really see the Diamondbacks going that route. I think they're going to want to give other guys opportunities. They, they know Corbin Carroll is going to be great for them. I think that they are going to set him up for a, potentially making the team out of spring training next year. Uh, Hamilton also wants to know if or Elvis Martinez is Joey Gallo 2.0 without the walks. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, or Elvis Martinez is just my, like there, there's a handful of these guys where I just, no matter where I rank them, I regret it on the next update. Um, so I've just been kind of all over the place with Martinez, but I I've always been worried about the hit tool. The power is not debatable. Um, I don't think he's going to be that bad in terms of making contact and batting average as Joey Gallo, but I do think he, like when you watch or Martinez hit a home run, it's incredibly impressive, but, I do think the hit tool is going to be a bit of a weakness for him. And then Hamiltron uh, also wanted to know, is Jordan Walker have too much swing and miss to become an Uber prospect? I don't think so. Uh, Jordan Walker got about as aggressive an assignment as you could get. Uh, I think he, is he might, is he still 19? He's either 20 or 19, but um, I know he got to high A last year. I thought it was a no brainer that they would send him back to high A, just given his age and uh, how he performed at high A. 
they sent him to double A and he's doing fine. I mean, he's striking out a quarter of the time, but uh, that jump from high to double A is, is massive. And uh, he's been really productive. Um, is he going to be a guy that strikes out a decent amount? Yeah, I, th- I think he probably will be, but um, I mean, he could be, he could be just a, a total monster uh, in four categories in fantasy. So I, I think Jordan Walker is on the rise actually. Uh, Matt, with respect to a dynasty minor league draft, would you aim for younger prospects with a higher ceiling? And then he cites uh, Daniel Spino and Francisco Alvarez, or players that are more major league ready, i.e., Matt Brash or Joe Ryan. Uh, you know, I think you got to kind of mix it up a little bit there. Um, you just kind of, which I, I'm trying not to. I don't think you want to necessarily reach on prospects in that type of draft, right? Um, there, there's going to be a, a prospect who falls further than they should. Uh, sometimes it's a guy who's close to big league ready. Sometimes it's not. Um, I think uh, maybe a mix is kind of the answer there, but um, I don't think you want to just go into a, a minor league draft and be like, I'm just taking guys that are close to the majors or, I'm just chasing upside. I think you want to have a, a bit of a blend there and really just, you know, I know it, it's easy for me to say, but like guys that you believe in, um, whether they have a high ceiling or whether they're close to the majors, like think about the prospect and then um, think about the the ETA and stuff like that. Um, let's see. Uh, Dandy Chiggins. I've seen Matthew Liebertor compared to Cole Hamels. Do you see him as that type if not, who would you comp him to? Um, I spent a, a couple hours prepping for this pod, and I just didn't have time to prep for all these these questions. But that seems like a stretch to me. Uh, I mean, Cole Hamels is a, just a really, really great success story of a, a pitching prospect kind of living up to the the hype. Um, Libertor is off to a pretty good start at AAA. Uh I don't have a great comp uh, for him off the top of my head. You know, big lefty with a with a good slider. Uh, the rest of the pitches are um, maybe not quite plus, but uh, good command so far. Good good org to come up in. Uh, I think we do see Libertor this year, and I think he he's good enough at enough stuff where he could be a guy that has success as a rookie. Aaron Bennett, uh, what are my thoughts on Cade Cavalli's rough start this year? Uh, Cavalli, um, it's it's comment. He you know he's got the big stuff uh, and he can look electric, but he struggles with consistency, struggles with command. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's trending down a little bit for me. Um, reminds me a little bit of uh, like. I don't know how many of you remember like Archie Bradley back when he was a, like an Uber pitching prospect, like a top 20 prospect in baseball. Um, I think some places had him even as like the number one overall pitching prospect in baseball at, at some point. Um, and the command just was never there for him to, to be a starter. Um, the consistency was never there. Uh, I don't want to say that that's the way Cavalli's going to go, but um I would have thought he would uh I would have thought he would have had a better big league spring training than he did and I would have thought he would have gotten off to a better start at AAA than he has so 
Um, trending down a little bit. Um, ben Pernick, are you concerned about MJ Melendez's rough start given his struggles um, prior to 2021? Not really. Um, I probably ranked him a little bit too high on the last update, but uh, I don't see like sort of red flag numbers in his profile uh, thus far. I think he was, I think he was pretty bummed to not make the team out of spring training. Um, he's a real thoughtful guy. Um, and I, I know he's kind of um, trying out some other positions defensively. So uh, I think there's a lot of factors at play here. I think Melendez will snap out of this and I think he'll, he'll be fine. <clears throat> Matt Mason is Roy Bear Salinas with Atlanta a legitimate prospect? Uh, Salinas has pretty, uh, pretty awesome stuff. Um, big fastball, uh, really nice breaking ball. Um, he's off to a really nice start at, at single A. Uh, I do have some concerns about the body. Uh, it's kind of a Brewstar Gratterall type of, of frame where he's, he's carrying too much weight, I think right now. And, uh, sometimes that'll lead to like back issues. Um, so, uh, not the, my main concern right now is just his, um, physique. I think he needs to get in better shape. I think that'll be good for his uh, health. I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with being strong and able to handle a, a big workload, but you don't want to be overweight because that, that can lead to some, some health issues. And it's not a, and like, he's just, he's carrying too much weight for his frame. Like I, I don't think of Alec Manoa, for instance, as a guy who's carrying too much weight for his frame. Alec Manoa is just a massive human being who's always going to carry a ton of weight. Uh, like CC Sabathia, sort of the same thing. Um, just genetically like CC Sabathia and Alec Manoa weren't going to be um, super skinny pitchers, no matter what they did with their bodies. Um, and they, they could handle that weight, but I think Roy Bear Salinas could, could easily lose uh, 20 or 30 pounds. Um, Peter Mullenkamp. Um, he wants me to kind of give a new uh, Reds top 10 prospects, excluding Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. I uh, didn't really have time to do that, but um, I will say like a lot of teams would happily trade uh, their top two position player prospects for Matt McLean and Ellie De La Cruz. I think that's a really exciting one, two on the position player side. As I said earlier, Nick Lodolo is the real deal. I think trade for Nick Lodolo in, in any league. Um, and he's got a, a starting course field. So, Maybe even wait till after the Coors start and, and maybe you can buy him a little lower, but I also wouldn't put it past Nick Lodolo to handle the Coors start. So um, that that's a nice situation there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Reds really lack depth in their system. Uh, there's a handful of guys you can get excited about, but it's just like the prospects like 10 through 20 in the red system, just not very exciting. So they've got some work ahead of them. Uh, Hasn't been a very well-run uh, franchise over the past, uh, really, past couple decades. But uh, that's uh, that's going to do it. Um, really appreciate all the questions. And uh, I'll be back next week with a guest. I'm going to be on vacation in uh, Savannah, Georgia, uh, this upcoming week. Um, so might not be great at responding to questions on Twitter and stuff like that um, from Sunday through Wednesday, but I'll have a, another pod for you on Wednesday. 
And then, uh, like I said, I'll be making a, an article out of this, uh, this podcast, um, the questions and the answers and stuff like that, that should be up on the site tomorrow. Uh, appreciate y'all tuning in. This has been the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, and I'll be back next week. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.